Good morning. It's so great to get an extra hour of sleep. Aren't you guys awake because of that? Uh, we're we're going to be continuing on our Lenten series. Two weeks ago, we started by looking at uh, Simon Peter's confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of God at Caesarea Philippi. That's kind of our launching pad for this series. And main reason why that was chosen was because that's a very, very pivotal point in Jesus' ministry because from that point, Jesus began to teach more explicitly about going to Jerusalem, going to Calvary. In Luke 18, which is the chapter right before what we're going to be looking at today in Zacchaeus, Jesus foretells his death a third time. And so I just wanted to briefly read that so that that's in the backgrounds of our minds, starting in verse 31. And taking the twelve, he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked, and shamefully treated, and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. I think I did some typos there. Sorry, my iPad. In our Lenten series, we're taking this event from Caesarea Philippi, and then we're, we're pilgrimaging along Jesus' journey to the cross. And along the way, from Caesarea Philippi, we're, we're going to be stopping off at some of these interactions Jesus has with various people. So we paused at Simon Peter two weeks ago. We paused at the mother of Zebedee last week, and today we'll be pausing at Zacchaeus. Now, before we look at the story of Zacchaeus, it's also important to look one chapter previous in chapter 18 at this story, starting in verse 24. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said, How difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, Then who can be saved? But he said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And so those two scripture references in chapter 18, keep those in mind as we look at this story of Zacchaeus as this happens only one chapter afterward. And this must have entered the minds of the, the disciples when they witnessed Zacchaeus come to faith. As they witnessed firsthand the life transformation of a person who was very wealthy and yet he was just talked about a chapter before and I, Jesus, I thought you said like, it's more difficult than entering a, the eye of the needle. Like, oh, what's going on? How, how did that happen? This, this wealthy guy is now completely spiritually transformed. And someone we, we didn't expect to see like, right away, like this life that's just drastically transformed because of his encounter. And then we come to this story. He entered Jericho and was passing through. Now, back in Jesus' day, Jericho was one of several major tax centers for Rome. Um, it was a city that was along uh, this very, very important trade route in the Roman Empire, and you can still visit it today. You can actually visit the sycamore tree that they charge you admission for to say that that was uh, Zacchaeus's tree. Like, he climbed that. He's, that's the tree. That's the tree. Look, it's along this road, and that's the tree. And uh, just pay us to go look at it. You can't even climb it. If you could climb it, that would be another thing. But you can just look at it. Anyway, Jericho, it's, it's uh, in the Palestinian territories, in the West Bank. You can go visit it today. It's a very, very ancient city. 
and um, one of the top places in the region to collect taxes for the Roman Empire because it's along the Fertile Crescent. Yes, we're going back to seventh grade social studies, you know, Fertile Crescent. I think that was seventh grade. So whether it's the, the start or the end, it's, it's one of the, it's the start or the end of the Fertile Crescent. And so a major, major outpost for the Roman Empire. It's also one of the biggest producers of balsam, and so they used to export that good throughout the Roman Empire. And so I'm, I'm trying to paint you a picture here so you can imagine the amount of wealth that is flowing through this city, let alone Zacchaeus being the chief tax collector of this city. You can imagine how wealthy this guy is. This guy is very wealthy. Verse 2, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. Again, you have to keep chapter 18 in mind. Right? Here, here's a rich man. He's a chief tax collector, so a very, very rich man. And a very rich man who was curious, curious about Jesus. Now, speaking of tax collection, because it's right around the corner for us, I think a good number of us feel the pain of taxes. And when we pay our taxes, there isn't a specific IRS employee who directly benefits from the taxes we pay to the government. It's just their job. But they don't have the ability for them to skim off the top of those taxes. They don't touch cash, so there's no way for them to take that. We're, we're not handing it to them and they're just, they're not pocketing some of that. This is not the case with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was in a position where he is essentially collecting as much money as he wants. And as long as the Romans get their share, they don't care what he does. And so Zacchaeus is not capped in how much he can collect. And the more he actually even collects for Rome, the more job security he has. And so, yeah, there's no problems here with the Romans, but there are problems with everyone else. And with everyone else, it's not a great way to make friends. But it's a very great way for him to make money. Now, needless to say, he's a very hated man because every time you go through the city, there he is. And if you are doing any sorts of business, conducting business, that's who you have to pay. So a very despised person amongst many. Verse 3, And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on accord of the crowd he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. Now, if he was a well-liked person, there probably would be some friends or some people who would help him out. You know, here, here's this guy, small stature. Hey, like, come, come up here. Like, we'll, we'll push you up here and you can see. But the indication is that he's, he's a loner. He's by himself. And so no friends has to do this looking on his own. And so picture this. Imagine this. A very, very rich man who's curious to meet a poor man, so much so that he climbs up a tree to see Jesus. That's strange, isn't it? Because if you imagine in today's context, we have this multi-billionaire who wants to climb up a tree because there's this entourage of people going through to get a glimpse of a poor guy. And there are many multi-billionaires that are probably crossing through your head now. Many of your CEOs and companies we've invested in that have lost lots of money. 
But something interesting about Jesus. He has a particular interest in tax collectors. It's kind of interesting. You can find them peppered throughout the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And since we're in Luke, let's look at Luke's account of tax collectors. First, let's look at Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. It records for us that tax collectors are being baptized by Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And then you go into Luke chapter 5. Jesus calls a tax collector to be amongst one of his disciples, Levi. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus eats and drinks with tax collectors. In Luke chapter 15, tax collectors are, are positively referred to in a parable he teaches. And then in Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells another parable where the tax collector is kind of the hero of the story compared to a Pharisee, a religious leader. And then now we're in Luke chapter 19. A positive story about a tax collector. So no doubt the stories of tax collectors and Jesus Zacchaeus has already heard these stories. He's heard Luke 3, Luke 5, Luke 7, Luke 15, Luke 18, not necessarily in Bible form, but he's hearing these stories of what happened to tax collectors who have encountered John the Baptist, who have encountered Jesus. And he's seen the lives of the people that he's friends with because he doesn't have that many. He's a loner. He gets to just hang out with other tax collectors. And they get to hang out and talk about how they've been cheating people and how much money they're making and all these sorts of things. But now he's hearing these stories of, what happened to Bob? Bob got baptized? What? And, and, and Jeff? What? What happened to Jeff? He's, he, he's doing what? And Levi's no longer a tax collector? What are you talking about? And he's hearing all these stories with the guys he hung out with because everyone else hated them. And he's gathering with them and he's getting all this kind of intelligence about what's happening out there. And he hears that this Jesus guy doesn't hate tax collectors like everybody else does. That there's this rabbi out there that doesn't hate him. And in fact, he actually invites them to follow him and that he eats with us and he drinks with us, and he puts us as characters that are heroes, that are in the positive light of stories, when so far we were always put in a negative light. And this is what gets Zacchaeus really curious about Jesus. This is what makes a multi-billionaire climb up a tree and try to look at a poor guy. And all the stories he hears from fellow tax collectors who are baptized and now following Jesus and I'm sure he was very curious about Levi. Not just the jeans he wore, but how his life changed. His life is completely changed. And I'm sure he wanted to hear the parable of the tax collector from Jesus' very own lips. That if he had a chance to meet Jesus in person, Jesus, can you tell me that story? I heard about it from my friends, but can you, can you tell me it? And, and, I, and I heard that you, you told this parable between a tax collector and a Pharisee, but then the tax collector was actually the protagonist. He's the hero. And I heard that parable from others, but can you share that with me? And that very Jesus was now in his city. And for the very first time in his tax collecting life, 
He didn't think about how much money he can make from that person coming down the street into his city. He just wanted to see him. Isn't this how it is for a lot of people who come to faith in Jesus Christ? Just a bunch of things happening in your life that brought you to faith. Certain people that have come into your life and certain circumstances that are happening in your life and stories that you've heard of people you knew who were completely changed. Things that drew your attention to the greatest thing to have ever happened in your life. The people, the circumstances, the events, the stories that drew you in to make this most important decision of your life. Your relationship with Jesus Christ. See, this is what happened with Zacchaeus. I think what he did actually caught him by surprise. I don't think he planned on running in front of the crowd and, and climbing up a tree in his like designer clothes and his designer jewelry and all this stuff. You know, like he didn't plan to do that. This is like this guy's all decked out in nice clothes and stuff. This is a very rich guy. So imagine yourself. You're in like your Whatever, I don't even know those types of things. Dior. You're in your Dior. And, and you're like climbing up a tree. Like you're going to rip that stuff. You're going to dirty that stuff. You're, you're not going to do that. And he probably, as he's running, he's like, why am I running? I never run. I get carried. I'm rich. What am I doing? Why am I running? And then he finds himself up in a tree. This, this dignified, rich guy is now up in a tree. So out of character. This is not a common behavior for Zacchaeus or any rich person. And he probably doesn't even realize this until later. He didn't know that he was already making these drastic, dramatic changes in his life because he just was curious about Jesus and God was making his way into his heart. He didn't even know this was happening. He was just doing it. But everyone else who saw him and knew him sees Zacchaeus running around and he's climbing up this tree. Like, what is that guy doing? That's Zacchaeus. He doesn't run. He gets carted around. And he's like a kid. He's climbing up a tree. Like, what, who does that? That's Zacchaeus. But God's doing something. God is drawing Zacchaeus to himself. And just as God has drawn you to Jesus, or maybe some of you who don't know Christ, that he's drawing you to Jesus. How are you drawn to Jesus? What's your story? See, this is a good thing to find out about each other. To hear one another's stories of how God drew you to Jesus. That there are some very incredible stories among you. I know quite a few of them. And I think you guys would love to hear each other's stories. So after church, like just grab some folks, go out to lunch and share your stories. They're Awesome. You guys have some great stories to share of how God drew you to Jesus. And I'm sure there's someone listening who can relate to a Zacchaeus, that you're curious. You're curious about Jesus. There's someone you know who, who makes you curious. Maybe something you heard at church last week or, or before or right now. Perhaps something that came up from your past that you're thinking about Jesus. 
and, and things are happening. There are a series of things that are pointing you to something bigger. And then here you are. You're here. Some of you just think back several years in your life. Would you have ever thought you would be in a church listening to a sermon? And yet, here you are. You know, you're, this is kind of your tree. That, how did I end up here? You know, like 10 years ago, where, where were you in your life? Like, and yet you're here. And so people who you knew years before, that if they saw you now, that what's she doing in church? What's he doing up in a tree? It's, it's like that similar thing, and it's that evidence that God is doing something in your life. Verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And this is the, the focal point of the story. When Zacchaeus is recognized, when he is called, This is something that I've kind of wondered like my whole life, even when I was a kid. How did Jesus know Zacchaeus' name? Like, how, he walked up and was like, Zacchaeus. Like if he came over here and he would just say like, what, like Albert. Like would he? I would say yes, the resurrected Christ, definitely. But the incarnate Jesus, fully man, like he knows everyone's names? I don't think so. Maybe, but I just don't think so. But Jesus didn't say, like, hey, um, you up there, what's your name? He doesn't ask. He, he said Zacchaeus. And so, yes, maybe Jesus knows everyone's names because he's, he's just Jesus. And again, I, I don't think so. I think he's reserved some of that omniscience because he's fully God and fully man. I think he's reserved some of that, that it's not fully active. And I think this. I, I think Jesus knows Zacchaeus' name because he's the chief tax collector in this major taxing station for the Roman Empire in this entire region. And all the other tax collectors in the region know who Zacchaeus is because since this is one of the largest ones, he's probably one of the wealthier ones. And think about this. Who is with Jesus? a former tax collector who wears fancy jeans. Levi. Right? Levi, who was recognized and called by Jesus, who decided to leave tax collecting to follow Jesus, is now a servant of Jesus, and he probably has a heart for his fellow tax collectors. And when Levi hears, we're going to go to Jericho, Jesus? I know this guy. There's this one guy there. He's like the chief of tax collectors, and he's in Jericho. And you know how no one likes us, us, us tax collectors. But, but you know something? I, what's worse is when we used to hang out, I used to make fun of his height. Like I used to make fun of that guy. And I used to make fun of how he dressed because he didn't have cool jeans like I do. And can we meet up with him? Could we talk to him? Because I feel really bad for what I said. And I've been praying for my tax collector friends. And, and I'd like to apologize to him for all those mean things that I said um, about his height. And I'd like to give him a pair of pants. And so, so I imagine that Levi asked Jesus and the disciples to 
pray for Zacchaeus since they knew that they were going to go to Jericho. That they all prayed for Zacchaeus' salvation, that they'd get this opportunity to meet Zacchaeus when Levi could share what happened to him. And I imagine that Levi was surprised when he saw Zacchaeus up in a tree. That he kind of laughed to himself because he probably thinks like, this is a really dignified rich guy and he's up in a tree. And he's like, Jesus, that's him. Zacchaeus, who we've been talking about, that, that's him up in the tree. Again, it's just a story, kind of like a cinematic story running through my head in terms of how he knows Zacchaeus' name. It might be totally false, I don't know, but maybe he just does have that all spiritual knowledge that he just knows Zacchaeus' name is Zacchaeus. I don't know. But I know that we have a part in praying for people's salvation. I know that we have a part in interceding for people's lives. And we do have a responsibility to share our own story amongst other people. Our own salvation story, our own testimony. In verse 5 again, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. That Jesus called Zacchaeus by name and called him into the kingdom. Take a look at John chapter 10, starting in verse 3. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. And here we see Zacchaeus, who heard Jesus' voice, and he follows immediately. That Jesus called him by name, that Jesus didn't ask him, he just called him, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree and we're staying at your house today. Right? He doesn't ask. Zacchaeus, can, can you come down from the tree and um, can we stay at your house today? No, it's, uh, that's his shepherd. He recognizes his voice. Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house. That's how it was for many of us, wasn't it? When Jesus said, follow me. He just did. He didn't ask, can you follow me? He just says, follow me. He calls us to follow him. And when we, when we hear the shepherd's voice, we just follow. It's, it's our shepherd. Now, some may resist because you're a rebellious sheep. But then the Lord continues to draw. He starts giving you these stories. He starts introducing you to people. He starts showing you events. He starts doing things that sooner or later you just end up running and climbing up a tree and you don't know how you ended up there. Now if you're resisting this morning, today might just be another one of those events that are leading you to Christ. That today may be the day that you decide to follow in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7, it reads this, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. That today might be your day. You're already in a tree. You're here. You're here. Receive him. Receive him joyfully. 
receive Jesus joyfully. And that's a, a sign of, of genuine faith in Jesus, that you can't receive Jesus any other way. All right, I guess I'll go, Jesus. Like, you don't go that way. You don't go burdened. You don't go unhappy. When you receive Jesus, it's joyful. Jesus saves us by his grace. Jesus is a friend to sinners who, who, who loves us dearly, who has died for our sins. He, he substituted himself for us, taking upon our sins upon himself and accepting us as we are, but he doesn't just leave us the way we are. He transforms us transforms us into his image. He's, he's to be joyfully received. Verse 7, and when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner, and they is referring to religious leaders like the Pharisees. And as often is the case, those who claim to be the most religious are the most judgmental. And rather than rejoicing for Zacchaeus, they grumble. They accuse Jesus of not being godlike. And while all of that is happening on the outside, grumbling, Jesus is with Zacchaeus in his home, joyful. And I imagine Zacchaeus talking with Levi, talking with Jesus, and asking Jesus, Jesus, I heard this story that you told about a Pharisee and a tax collector where we were put in a positive light. Can I hear that story? And it's in Luke chapter 18, starting in verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And then sometime that evening, this happened. Verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Now you notice those verbs, those verbs are in the present tense. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. Not I'm going to or I will, that he is fully intent on doing this now. That he's committed to doing this. He's not, oh, I'm going to do it in the future and I'll think about this. The transformation is immediate it, and it's very costly. It's very expensive. There's something I think we don't think about much is that the cost of transformation, the cost of discipleship is a very costly one. See, the gifts of God, God's salvation, God's love, those things are, are free to us. But very costly in transformation that we won't be the same. That people aren't going to recognize who we are becoming. Now Luke is the only gospel that shares this story of Zacchaeus. Now why is this? 
Look back to chapter 1 of Luke, where he writes to Theophilus. It reads this, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. So in Luke's research, in talking to eyewitnesses, He's come across this story about Zacchaeus, and maybe it's even Zacchaeus himself that he's talking to. And in talking to Zacchaeus, I imagine that Luke found out that Zacchaeus was still the chief tax collector in Jericho. Again, I'm putting on the movie director hat again. I'm just kind of like going through. I'm, I'm directing The Chosen or something. But he's a changed man, even though he's the chief tax collector, and that he, he's no longer stealing from people, that he's actually fair. And then people that are going through are wondering, aren't you the guy that charged me 10 times that amount, like two weeks ago? And then Zacchaeus catches them wondering, and then he shares with them his encounter with Jesus. You won't believe it, man. He, he, he made me run and climb up a tree, and I ruined my nice clothes and everything, and then he just calls me by name, and then I met my friend, he apologized to me, gave me these new pants, it's cool, and Jesus changed my life. Verse 9, and Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. When we meet Zacchaeus, this story is not necessarily about him it's about the son of man who came to seek and save the lost and Jesus has you in mind today that you're not hearing this message by chance you're not hearing this message by accident that salvation has come to your house today and Jesus wants to transform your life just as he transformed Levi's life and Zacchaeus's life to come down from the tree and trust in Jesus that in all of eternity, there is not a more significant decision that you can ever make in your life than the one to follow Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we are thankful, we are grateful for how you have such this heart for those who are ostracized, for those who are discarded, like tax collectors, who are loners, who have no one, and I ask, Lord, that you would give us this type of heart, that you would put in us this love and this grace, that we would be able to see people the way that you see them. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, anyone needing communion, uh, please hold up your hands and we can get that over to you. I also invite anyone who's needing prayer or who wants prayer. Susanna's in the right front pew here. and. Mike's in the left front pew. They'd be honored to pray with you. We'll take out this first element representing Jesus' body broken for us.
So we're making our way to Jerusalem, and he's met Simon Peter, the mother of the sons of Zebedee, Zacchaeus today, always looking out for us. We take this in remembrance of Jesus. The fruit of the vine symbolizing the blood of Christ shed for us. Very, very costly sacrifice. Costly for our transformation. We take this in Jesus' name. Lord Jesus, thank you for these elements that are a constant reminder of how costly your sacrifice is. That this is a remembrance that you made a promise that you are coming back for us. And we do this in faith, awaiting your return. In Jesus' name, amen.